0: Welcome to New Books in History, a channel on the New Books Network. I'm your host, Michael Van of Sacramento State University, but please call me Mike. Today I'll be speaking with John of Working Class History, a collective of activists who have used social media to engage in public education and outreach regarding the history of labor activism, anti-fascism, and various forms of liberation struggles. Working Class History now has a published book, Working Class History, Everyday Acts of Resistance and Rebellion, with a foreword by Noam Chomsky, published by PM Press in 2020. John, welcome to New Books in History.
1: Hi, thanks very much for having me.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to have you on. And, and um, by way of introduction um, to Working Class History, Everyday Acts of Resistance and Rebellion, I want to tell the story of how it came to my attention. So a few years ago, uh, I was scrolling through Facebook, uh, avoiding work, and also damaging my ability to concentrate and engage in normal social social interactions. Um, And I saw a this day in history style of post. I normally hate these things, uh, as they're generally about Napoleon or George Washington or some great man in history nonsense. Really not my kind of thing, um, professionally, personally, and and politically. Um, But this, as I recall, this was about a strike. And that caught my attention I hadn't seen a this, this day in history kind of thing about labor activism. I can't remember when or where it was, but I started to follow the account. And then when I got onto other social media, such as Twitter and Instagram, again, just to damage my psyche and increase my sense of social alienation via social media, um, I added the working class history accounts to my feed. And I have to say that these daily posts about various acts of resistance made me feel a little bit better and gave me hope, especially during the dark days of Trumpism and as COVID-19 uh, severed so many of my social connections. Um, these posts made me remember that I was not alone and that it is possible not just to speak out, but to act out against hegemonic power, be it cultural, economic, or political. Then I found the Working Class History podcast and saw that there was a series on the Gwangju uprising in South Korea. I was delighted as there's so little attention paid to the history of, of violence and, um, anti-labor, uh, violence in particular, uh, in, in the South Korean regimes. And this led me to discover the collective that the book had, um, the, uh, excuse me, discovered the, the book that the collective had put out. So, um, that was sort of how I stumbled into the working class history project. So, um, that's how, you know, you came into my life, John, and your, and your work. Um, now, can you tell me about, uh, tell us about yourself, um, or, or about the working, ha- working class history collective. Who are you people? Uh, why do you do what you do, and, and what do you do? And you know, in in comic book speak, what's what's your origin story?
1: Yeah. Well, th- thanks for that. That's kind of um, yeah interesting to to hear how you came across the project. I think yeah, most people um, come across it in a similar way. Our, our social media platforms are extremely popular. Um, that there, there's. We've got over a million followers now across the various platforms.
0: That's that's um, a million. That's fantastic. Yeah,
1: um, yeah, it's 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 nice. Um, and the things like uh, the podcast and the book are espon- exponentially less popular <laughs> than exponentially less popular than uh, than, uh, than the social media. So um, yeah, it's. Uh, um,
0: it's, so it's, so could you tell us a bit about the uh, social media um, posts?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, basically the, them being more popular is the reason we decided to start doing them, really, because we thought that um, they would be uh, an engaging and easy way of... Uh, well, let, let's dial back a bit. So um, my uh, background... Um, uh, my, um, work background, um, I was, um, working in, I'd been working in the local government for a long time, um, as a union activist, um, and outside of that, um, had on-off involvement in various types of, um, I guess you could call them pro-revolutionary sort of activities, um, you know, outreach media, that sort of thing, um, trying different things. And um, so a few years ago, back in 2014, some friends and I were talking about ways that we could try and use social media, um, which was already very big by that point, but not as big as it is now, to get across radical ideas and try and um, inspire people into um, doing things like organising to make their lives, their workplaces, their communities, and stuff like that better. And um, also doing a way, doing in a way that wasn't being done by somebody else already um, in, in in a particularly um, in 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 the way that we wanted to do because we wanted to avoid duplication of of, of effort and we kind of stumbled across the idea of um that people kind of like anniversaries historical yeah, anniversaries yeah, on the yeah. stand history things yeah. um because um dates are obviously an arbitrary measure of 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 time but um they do serve to provide a connection with the present to historical events in the past um And so we thought that that would be a good way that we could write something down and it might go viral. Um, And and that over time, by posting about um, people's history and about struggles in the past and that successes and failures thereof, we could help people both kind of be inspired by struggles that happened in the past and also try and learn some lessons from those to not repeat some of the mistakes of the past. So that was one side of it. And then the other side of it was kind of posting historical things related to, um, I guess what we'd see as bad things um, about um, capitalism, colonialism, um, white supremacy, all, uh, all that sort of thing, which Is generally, which are generally kind of brushed under the carpet by um, our educational um, establishments, uh, mass media, and so on.
0: Yeah, Um, I I definitely want to circle back around to that point because that's that that was actually one of the things that I really, really felt drawn into your project by. I mean, it was both both the labor activism, uh, both the, the forms of resistance, but also um memorializing these these moments of intense repression and and far too frequently really violent repression um but could you could you, could you say a few words about the i mean how do you, how do you refer to yourselves as a as a collective as a co-op as a as a group i mean what 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 is, what is working class history yeah
1: we're we're kind of i'd say we're a pretty informal collective really um there's there's a kind of uh there's There's a number of us who kind of work on the project regularly. um, And then beyond that, there is a wider, considerably wider pool of people who volunteer and help out for bits and pieces every now and again. Um, And um, also, I I think it's also worth mentioning at this point that WCH um, has uh, sister projects in numerous other languages. Um, like Farsi, Arabic, Portuguese, Spanish, French, um, and um, apologies to any others that those were just the first that came off of my head. And those are all, um, they're kind of run by their own kind of collectives or groups um, who uh, are, are kind of autonomous from us, but, you know, we're friendly and we, work together when we can and things like that right
0: um yeah so So, um i mean i've I've got this sort of larger question maybe it's a little bit of an unfair question um this is you know why history um what does what does knowing history do for us and and i mean how does it help to achieve the sort of goals that you want in terms of outreach
1: yeah (laughs) well I think history is important on on a lot of levels. Um, If we come from a position where we want the world to be better than it is today, and we think that we can do something about that collectively, and you can have all the kind of abstract theory that you like, um, which is all, you know, all all good and 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 whatever but unless um you actually look at history and see where what happens when these ideas are put into practice then you can't really test out those you you can't really test out those ideas um, unless they're actually unless elements of them have been put into practice Um, so studying history you can learn about what are what are the most effective ways of making things better, and what ways are dead ends? Um, what ways? Um, what what things potentially work, and what things don't work? Um, and that way, you can kind of refine your whatever you want to call it, organizing or, or activism um, or that sort of thing to to take into account lessons um, lessons of the past, um, because that you know old saying is those who don't learn from the past are doomed to repeat it Um, especially as we are living in a period of um, profound defeat um, for um, working class movements um, and um, for for the most part over the past um, nearly 40 years now um, in much of the Western world—it's a period of really profound defeat—and um, so part of it is 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 trying to get across those the, the, the lessons from those who've, who've gone before us, and also another part is trying to um, just kind of try and educate a lot of uh, mostly younger people who uh, who who've who've grown up in that extended period of defeat. Um, to try to kind of get across the fact that this is not the way things have always been you know um, we are not all you know british prime minister margaret thatcher famously said i mean it's kind of the paraphrasing was kind of misleading but it's uh, what 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 she sort of uh, the, the message of what she put across is is the the way that what she said is publicly told is is what is kind of drummed into us a lot nowadays that there's no such thing as society only individuals and families and and that we are all isolated atomized individuals and the way that to for things to get better is to try and advance yourself on an individual level um by getting a better job or starting a business or whatever and try and do well yourself and and fuck everyone else um sorry about is is swearing okay or
0: uh we'll find out <laughs> no, it's, it's yeah. I, had, um, I, I had a guest on that was swearing a blue streak not so long ago <laughs> fine just um, just don't tell marshall <laughs>
1: fine and and um uh and you know so for um a lot of these younger which includes my generation, you know which includes me um I, I wasn't around to have any kind of organic lived connection with these kind of mass working class counterculture that existed in the past, um, of kind of organized working class communities, and things where the idea of being part of the class of people that works for a living and the fact that you need to band together to advance yourselves collectively um, and that, that that's just part of what you do and part of how you live. You know, I, I wasn't part of that as uh, something that I've grown up in a norm, most people. Um, in the western world nowadays and so you know we want to kind of dig up stories from that time just to let people just to try and get across to more people the idea that this individualistic view of society um, of just you know trying to make things better for yourself isn't the way that things have always been Um, it's a relatively new phenomenon for a lot of people um, and um, it's it's not the way that that things were in the recent past, and it's not the way that things have to be in in the future. And also, obviously, that it's not working because you can't all start. You know, everyone can't start a business and be a successful entrepreneur selling whatever. If there's no one else to, you need, you, you know, do if, the, if do you work <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. you can't all be a CEO of yeah. um, of 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 nothing of, 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 of no one. Um, and um, uh, yeah that was yeah bit, yeah that went a bit rambling but that's well, about it you
0: know the the, the the so why history question is a real is is you know it's perplexing it's a tough one um are is anyone in the in the group a professional historian scholarly or popular No, nope. <laughs> <laughs> for the, the audience that can't see he's shaking his head um yeah which which i which i i personally love um and um I want to talk about this a little bit later on but I'm I think that this book is a real important challenge to um, academic and sort of popular, more commercial uh, historians who are uh, for, you know, to what we're doing and what we're not doing. Um, So, and we we will get to the book, uh, but I want to talk to you a little bit more about the social media component of um, the working class history project. And um, you know, you, you really successfully use social media to get out to a wide Wide audience when you got a million followers on different uh, platforms, but um you know is your use of social media um, maybe a little subversive? Um, You're using these sort of I don't capitalist realist forms of mass communication um, uh, to undermine these hegemonic power relationships, and I think Audre Lorde's famous quote: uh, "The master tools will never dismantle the master's house." And yes, but hey, maybe those tools can at least be used to start a A conversation, Um, and it also makes me think of Albert Memmi's notion of the uh, the Caliban syndrome and um, Caliban, the monster, using Prospero's words to curse him by the end of uh, into the play. Um, So, what's how 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 do you all reflect on the sort of subversive nature of using using uh, these big big tech platforms?
1: Well, I'm going to pretend to be very cultured, uh, and I get that (laughs) reference about uh, about the play um, because obviously. I have seen many plays <laughs> many players in my time um sorry um um i will i will i will google it afterwards though, um mm. because i i i i would like to know things like that um but um, but yeah so the the yeah the 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 master's tools will 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 not dismantle the master's house i mean if uh, if um there was, uh, if the the capitalist class um, was under a real threat um, from a kind of powerful working class or uh, powerful social movements that really threatened its uh, power, then um, we would very much be booted off social media uh, immediately, um, as would um, many similar um, pages. And I mean, already a lot of um, um, left wing, anti-racist, anti-fascist, um, pro-sex worker, uh, accounts have been kicked off social media, um, especially Facebook and Instagram. Uh, have, recently. You, have,
0: have you guys got any warnings or any notices or or or, well, yeah. or, 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 trolling? I would imagine there's a, you have to deal with some solid troll action.
1: Oh, I mean, trolling. Yeah. You know, um, de- dealing with, um, online Nazis and, <laughs> not online nazis transphobes mm-hmm. um ultra nationalists of mm-hmm. various stripes um yeah uh, you know um worshippers of various dictators who shall remain nameless um is something we're you know quite used to being an online platform, you know abuse and death threats it's kind of whatever you know half <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. of the course um but um um, um, but from the actual platforms themselves, we have had, um, a couple of warnings and have been given official, uh, been on Facebook, been officially restricted. Um, the, there's an official restriction on the page imposed by Facebook, um, after posting about, um, a British government collaboration with, um, uh, Hitler, uh, in the 1930s, um, uh, which we did, um, appeal, but was upheld, you know, but for the moment we're there, um, uh, unlike quite a yeah. few other.
0: Because, because uh, all of your work and, and, and this is in the book I and mean, there's a huge section of notes at the end, but all of your work is, is well documented. You put up the sources, right? I mean, you, you I mean, it's, it's not your, it, it I, I, it, 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 that boggles my mind that it can run foul of the uh, Facebook censors or fact checkers or whatever they whatever they're called. Because you've got the sources. You're, you guys are doing the real historical work and putting it out there.
1: Well, they're definitely not fact checkers um, at, um, <laughs> at, at Facebook. They're not fact checkers. But to, they to did
0: tone policeers. <laughs>
1: I mean, they did officially make an announcement. I think in around August twenty twenty that um, anti fascism um was one of the um things which would not which their platform was not for because especially obviously historically um anti-fascism um has had to be violent at points because funnily enough genocidal dictators don't give up their power if you just um tweet at them or yep. um yep. sign a petition um so um uh, that is probably the that is probably the justification that they gave. I think they grouped anti-fascism along with right-wing extremism um, in saying that that wouldn't be on their platform. So, but for you know, um, for now, for now we're still there. But at the same time, we are um, um, we started gathering um, people's email addresses, and um, so we do ask that if people appreciate our content, they sign up to our email list, so that in the event uh, we are kicked off uh, the platform um, we still have ways of communicating with um, people who want to learn our stuff um, in terms of uh, sources yeah we do list all of those in the book which is a good thing about doing a book on social yeah. media unfortunately because of character limits we're not able to list the sources on them
0: oh, okay I, I, um,
1: yeah. but because in some cases the sources lot the list of sources is longer than the character limit um, on the platform but um one thing we're doing at the moment is behind the scenes, we're building um a uh, interactive, browsable website with timelines and maps that will include all of our stories um with more information and all our sources in them. So in the future we will be able to include those alongside every post, which we're really looking forward to.
0: Okay, great. Um, you know, one one of the when I see your uh see the post, one of the things that it reminds me of is maybe this is another esoteric, esoteric references. Um, there's, uh, Hans Fallada was a, a German novelist, uh, who ran afoul of the Nazis in the, in the thirties and was, um, uh, I guess apolitical for most of the third Reich and just sort of kept his head down. And then, um, he, um, at the, uh, at the end of the war, he was working with the allies and he, he discovered this court case, um, of, uh, this, um, mother and father of a soldier that was killed on the Eastern front. And they started putting out, um, uh, writing small defeatist postcards and leaving them in various places around Berlin. And it drove the Gestapo crazy for a number of months until they finally found them. I mean, do you know this, this, the story? And he, he, he found the court case and turned it into a, a novel called every man dies alone. And it's a story of this, again, this grieving, Uh, mother and father and their their small act of resistance which spoiler alert ended horribly for them um when the Gestapo caught up with them but his uh it's for me it's even though it has this sad ending it's such this uplifting portrait of um everyday resistance and average people in history who are swept under the rug uh by these um you know ridiculous sort of great men narratives but yeah this hans falada's every man dies alone is a excellent English translation that came out a few years ago. Um, so one of the things I really love about the project is that it is, um, it's called working class history, but it's not narrowly defined as this sort of class-based thing, right? Um, it's sort of these more rigid interpretations of class um, in that you engage feminism, LGBTQ plus uh, liberation, uh, anti-fascism and a number of other liberation movements. Um, can you tell us about your use of class as a category and how it relates to these range of liberation movements and varieties of, of anti-militarism as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. That 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 book sounds really interesting. By the way, I will yeah. um, endeavor to um, uh, check it out in the long list of things I would like <laughs> to read. Um,
0: I, 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 I strongly, I, I love it. I I, I I push it on my students all the time.
1: Yeah. Um. But yeah, we do have an expansive understanding of the word class. Um, Partly, um, but already it is uh, an expansive term, which many people kind of misunderstand or misinterpret, Um, you know, uh, partly due to problems with even kind of left-wing and pro-working class propaganda over the past, over a hundred years is, is part of the, the problem that they've typically identified um, the working class with usually white male um, factory workers. Um, when um, we think, well, when on a global level the majority of the working class is people of color. Um, the majority of the working class is um, uh, based in the um, global south um, and numerically um, it's, you know, at least 50-50. <laughs> um, you know, it's 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 at least 50-50, 50-50 in terms of um, men and women um, and uh, all other kind of gender identities, um, in uh, all other uh, gender identities. Um, and um, so every other type of uh, oppression which exists in our society um, from, um, Racism to sexism um, to homophobia, transphobia, um, all overlaps and intersects with um, with class. Um, that every type of um, every type of um, oppression, discrimination that you can think of um, is always exacerbated by class. Taking, for example, things like abortion access is um, even in places where abortion is legal or not legal, for the wealthy, it's it's rarely an issue um, that the wealthy can access it one way or another, uh, one way or another. Um, and for things like...
0: Um, yeah, the, the The daughters of big Republican donors in Texas can easily get into another state, but for working class folks to get into other states, it's going to be...
1: Exactly. And the mistresses of uh, the mistresses of um, evangelical church leaders who. Um, Fair yeah, enough. Um, <laughs> and um, uh, similarly, things like um, tr- things like transphobia for, for wealthy, you know, a, a real primary um, uh, issue for, um, uh, for, for for many trans people is about securing employment. Um, and many uh, employers are extremely transphobic, um, but if you don't need to work for a living, then that element of it isn't 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 an issue for you. Obviously, there's there's still many other issues which which, which aren't associated with that, but class has an impact um, on all of them. Um, but yeah, even even given that, we see our um, project as being while it's called working class history, um, we see it as um, essentially being about all struggles against oppression, exploitation, um, domination um, through history. And because all of those have a connection with with us today, one way or another, um, for example, um, struggles against colonialism, um, They um, after enclosures in places like Western Europe, um, colonialism um, and the various forms of genocide committed against indigenous peoples around the world was the primary way that um, capitalism and the working class was, was, was spread to those areas. So people were um, either displaced from their lands or um, uh, almost eradicated through genocide um, in order to both turn the land into private property and create a dispossessed class of um, people I.e. the working class who then have to work for a wage for for business owners, um, and so and um, so um, yeah those they those other types of struggles also um, are related to us today because it's how a lot of them are to do with how our class came into existence and um,
0: yeah. absolutely in the in the way in which sort of uh, class structures are globalized via Via imperialism, via globalization, um, you know, develop, historically development of the plantation complex and and what have you. Um, I mean, one of the things that I really appreciate about the project is the um, the international and arguably anti-nationalist uh, thrust of uh, what you, what you are up to. Um, how do you how do you handle the um, the geographic coverage? Um, uh, I mean, I the, there 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 is definitely. Maybe more on Western Europe and the United States, but they, but there's a concerted effort to give uh, global coverage. How do you how do you guys handle that?
1: Yeah, well, when we first started out building our archive of um, stories, we first used some existing kind of radical calendars um, that we found, and those were very Euro and US centric, and in the US were quite centric on people of European descent um, and so um, after that kind of initial um, time um, of, of getting content based on those calendars much of our uh, research work has been aimed at trying to um, get right stories that are more representative of our class as a, as a whole in terms of geographical location Um, in terms of um, in terms of gender um, ethnicity gender identity um, and that sort of thing Um, because unfortunately um, it's just it's just a lot easier to find out a lot of stuff about you know white guys in um, in Europe and the U.S. (laughs) than than it is about a lot of uh, of other things just because of that's you know that's what more has been has been written about. So um, yeah, we spend we spend a lot of our time looking into. Um, so we, we try and be as international as possible, yeah. um, but there are um, you know uh, we, we're still not as um, representative as we would like. Um, because of things like non-availability of sources. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously for social media, we need images, we need photographs, and that is extremely lacking um, in a lot of um, international um, events. And that's kind of one of the things that was good about doing a book, um, which meant that we could um, include um, a lot of things that don't have um, photos to go alongside them. Um, And also a problem with social media, um, particularly, facebook and instagram is that they're algorithmically based um so if you post stuff that is not that popular that not that many people click like on it or comment then um the next time you post something it will show it to fewer people fewer people so the the platform kind of forces us to post more that will be responded to more so that does mean um a, a bias towards areas where our most of our readers are based, which is like the US, UK, um, and places like that. So yeah, well, um, see,
0: maybe, maybe Audrey Lord was right there. You know, you're, <laughs> you you're, you're working with the master's tools, man. You got to... <laughs>
1: Yeah, and 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 that's another thing that will be good. So obviously we we didn't have to do that in the book, and we won't have to do that with the um with the website we're building, yeah. um, where yeah. we'll be able to include everything um, without fear of uh, <laughs> the algorithm uh, punishing the us algorithm. For, <laughs> for you know posting something without a photo about um, a uh an event or even a country that lots of people in the US haven't heard of.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so tell us about the structure of the book. Um, when the reader sits down and, and cracks it open, what are they going to find?
1: Yeah, well, the book, um, I guess the main thing to bear in mind is that the book is not a sequential book that you, um, necessarily need to read from beginning to end. Um, I think, um, it's, um, the, at the very beginning, um, there's a foreword from, um, Noam Chomsky, um, which he, uh, kindly um, contributed for us, um, and after that um, we um, write a bit of an introduction explaining what the what the purpose of the book is essentially, um, and how people can go about reading it, and um, what um, yeah, um, and so essentially. Um, then the book is a curated selection of stories from our archive of um, uh, people's history events uh, for each day of the year. So essentially we've got an archive of about 4,000 stories, um, and this chooses two from each day of the year. Um, and the aim is to was to kind of pick a really broad cross section of the type of stories we've got in our archive and present to. Uh, for each day of the year so um you know people can just kind of dip into it um dip in and dip out as as they see fit um you know so you could check it on a you know a day especially if you want to I know that um some people have told us that they um look at it in the morning sometimes um some people look at it in the morning with their kids and have a have a chat about it um in in the mornings and um some uh teachers have contacted us history teachers have told us that they sometimes use it in class to find something that happened on this day
0: yeah, yeah. As, as a history professor I, I think it'd be fantastic for that i'm i'm living in the bizarre online teaching world right now because of covid but um when i actually get to do interact with human beings again my my students i'm, I'm going to try and work these in um as you know as a way to sort of start class especially for those like those massive classes we teach sometimes 120 or more students it's a good sort of hook for the day um and i and, and i'm sure for high school there'd be like really great uses um with these little sort of pithy exercises to to get students going and get students thinking um so who who is your intended audience or audiences for the book um i mean how 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 do you I mean, I got maybe you just answered this, but how do you imagine the reader using the book?
1: Yeah, well, in a way, we weren't really sure. the The, the book was actually <laughs> the book was an idea from our publisher, PM Press, which is um, a great uh, radical independent publisher based in um, the US and UK, um, and um, um, and they, they they kind of suggested it, and we thought, well, you know why not give it a go we weren't really sure if anyone would actually <laughs> if anyone would actually get it but a good number of people have um and yes yeah, so some people have told us how they use it and that's as you said you know some people um going through with it um with their with their families or um with their class in the day um uh or um people kind of dip in and dip out um you know leave it on a coffee table and um, a lot of people kind of said so the first thing that they go to is look up their birthday and yeah. see um, <laughs> and see what was yeah. on that. Um, so in terms of the intended audience, um, I guess for the book, it's the, I guess the book is a bit different to the social media pages because with the social media pages, our primary audiences, I mean, it's, it's kind of broad it's kind of anyone really, mm-hmm. um, because, um, especially with kind of on this day in history events they can be of interest to just about anyone mm-hmm. um or at least anyone who has any interest in things which have happened in the past or things which are happening now which includes kind of most people <laughs> <laughs>
0: one, one would hope but you'd be surprised <laughs> and
1: and 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 by doing that you know i guess the hopes would be that um, but you know more more specifically we did hope that there'd be um some people that it would be particular of particular interest to which is essentially um anyone who is um either interested or involved with the workers movement uh, the labor movement or any social movements um or anyone who has um yes anyone who's interested in or involved in those um and uh, or from a kind of gifting perspective for people like that, if they want to get something for like a gift for a history buff relative, um, who, who, who might not share the same kind of political ideas, um, or who, you know, might just, um, read stuff about Hitler all the time.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No, I, I think, I think it's a great antidote for that great man in history kind of type. And, and, and it, so (laughs) Here's one thing I do with your um social media posts is I send many of them to um some of my uh very right wing friends and um they're they're presented in a way that aren't um that aren't alienating um and I've actually been able to engage in like good conversations about say um allende and Pinochet in chile um or about uh you know, i got, I have got, I got, I got a friend who who's works in corrections at, um, he actually works at, um, um, Folsom prison of Johnny cash fame. Right. And, um, you know, I, I had, had this sort of just stupid knee jerk Antifa, um, you know, just all, all the Fox news talking points were coming off as, uh, coming out of his mouth. And, you know, so I, I said in some of your posts about, um, you know, the, the anti-fascist, um, uh, actions in London um, in the mid 20th century. And, um, you know, as, as a good American who hates Nazis, he's like, Oh, okay. Well, hmm. all right. So maybe, maybe there's more here and it made him. it, it, they're, what am I trying to say? They're, they're, they're good for starting conversations in a way that I think many sort of left or progressive, um, social media posts and other, other items just aren't. Does that make sense? Oh,
1: well, I appreciate that. I mean, yeah. we do, we do try, like we, yeah. We we don't use things like emotive language or or insults. We try and just tell the facts as clearly as possible, and then we hope that people can draw conclusions uh, fr- from that. And you know, I think to to an extent, I think we're quite um, successful in that. And you know, so we'll we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll you know have stories about um, say. Um, I don't, you know, examples of when um, Nazis during World War Two would just decide to massacre everyone in an entire town, um, and um, you know, the we would hope that the reader would draw their own conclusions from that—that that this is a bad thing, you know, the Nazis aren't very nice—or um, and. You know, I think sometimes we find it quite amusing how in, in, in the UK, where I'm, we, most of your listeners can probably tell, well, actually, I don't know, but well, <laughs> you know, it's where I'm from because a lot of people in the US uh, seem to think I'm Australian for some reason. Um, but um, um, uh, Margaret Thatcher, our former prime minister, um, is still a very popular figure um, and, um, um, for, for, for anyone who's kind of not aware as a political context, she's basically occupies the same kind of space as Ronald Reagan uh, as the kind of, you know, personification of bringing in of like neoliberalism. And, um, but when we kind of do some um, stories about, about her that the, the, the we post about that the various things she did, like destroying mining, uh, uh, destroying mining communities, taking milk away from children, um, and um, supporting and defending um, paedophiles and child abusers, um, which are things- And and,
0: and Pinochet. Oh yeah, and
1: and, (laughs) and Pinochet who who would throw people out of helicopters um, and systematically um, rape and sexually abuse um, uh, people in the most horrific ways possible. Um, And this was her personal friend and who's also personal friends with people like Jimmy Savile, um, who's a well rich mm-hmm. and powerful um, serial child molester. Um, and um, and and even though she's so <laughs> even though she's so popular, funnily enough, you know, you kind of put things across in that way, and then almost nobody comes on to defend her, which is quite funny considering how many people in the UK, um, you know, talk her up uh, all the time and say how great she made the country. Um, you know, when you kind of lay out the the facts of what well, she did, a lot of people actually then are a bit scared to say, "Oh, um, actually, I really like this." Um, you know, mass murdering supporter of uh, child abusers, um, because I'm, um, you know, I'm a I'm a homeowner or something like you know. Um,
0: so yeah. Um, so in, in in putting together the um the social media posts and for. For the book, did you have any sort of guidelines for your prose? Um, I know that many people are turned off to the product of uh, academic historians because the prose can be so alienated and jargon laden. Um, and as I said, I found your post really accessible for engaging with um, many of my my friends outside of the ivory towers of academia.
1: Cool. Thanks. Yeah, we basically we try and be as um, uh, as 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 straightforward succinct and clear as possible um i think in general we're kind of fans of george orwell's approach to the english language which and writing which is like if you can use one word instead of two use one i'm kind of paraphrasing but just um, keeping things simple and factual and um if if you i mean jargon you know jargon or complex words or terms they're they're fine it's kind of um it, you know it can be patronizing to kind of um avoid long words thinking that uh you know and you mm-hmm. come across some people on the on the left say that say oh they don't want to use complex words or something um as if working class people would be able to understand which which is nonsense um yeah.
0: but but, but, what but, but on the other hand you do have uh you know groups like uh subaltern studies who are you know are writing this these revolutionary academic works which <laughs> just nobody can understand them they're so theory laden and so jargon laden
1: well no i think that's the key thing um yeah. when you introduce any uh terms or concepts which are not um which are not universally understood they need to be explained so mm-hmm. that's our general um policy is if you you know if you can do something without using a jargon term then do. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise if you have to, then, um, just explain what it means. Um, yeah. so that, that's our general, um, that's our, our general approach. And also, uh, obviously using language, which is as inclusive as possible, yeah. um, is important to us as yeah. well.
0: And, and, and in defense of the Academy frequently jargon is, is, um, uh, shorthand for, you know conversations that have been had over the course of several decades, and we we can't restate everything, but um it um it does make um I think many important works that should be read by a much wider audience uh, produced produced by academics just just not accessible um, and there's something that i mean i've i I recently uh, published a graphic history version of my research on resistance to the French colonial empire, and um it. It was de- it's designed to bring serious scholarly work to a much wider audience that normally wouldn't pick up a 250 page monograph on French colonial Vietnam, right? But if it's a cool story about rats and bubonic plague and and Vietnamese outsmarting French people, then uh, with with lovely pictures, then it can it can it can reach a wider audience that again might normally not really be drawn. So, so I, I really appreciate that aspect of your project. I mean, of the many I, that I find uh, value, I think that's just fantastic. This, this wider accessibility, um, how, so how many writers and editors contributed to the book? Um, you know what,
1: I'm not really sure. Um, yeah. I mean, the, quite a few people were involved in it at different, um, at different, doing different things kind of in the acknowledgements. We list some of the people who assisted um, and um, some people rather remain anonymous. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I could quickly count how many are in the, <laughs> I mean, yeah, so it was quite a wide collective effort. I don't know, maybe it could have been 50 or fifty yeah, or 60 so,
0: people
1: so, could have helped at some point or, or another.
0: Yeah, and and also in contrast, uh, to those of us in the academy, uh, the author is listed as working class history. There, uh, not not one individual who you know, in our defense is dependent upon these kind of publications to get to move forward in our career and and secure uh, secure a job and ideally tenure. Um, so, but this is, I, but I, yeah, I, I like, yeah.
1: none of us has a sort of uh, <laughs> but yeah, 'cause yeah, no, because no, none of us are in you know, uh, have. a, a you know, um, are in that um, scene, and uh, yeah, and I think for for a lot of people, even being associated with uh, radical publishing would be only potentially harmful for for most of our contributors' job prospects. So probably rather exactly, keep it.
0: yeah, no, exactly, exactly, and I and I, and you know that um, as I was getting ready for this podcast and sort of sort of wrestling, recognizing that and sort of wrestling with that in my mind. I, I really did appreciate that, that, um, that, uh, you know, speaking up against these various forms of hegemonic power, um, yeah, some, sometimes it does need to be anonymous for very real world material reasons. And that's, that's a real challenge to the thinking of, um, so many of us who write for a living, who try and put our name on every damn thing and make sure it's on our CV. Cause well, that's, that's how we get paid and fed. <laughs> so um uh so what what you know what, what does the the history of resistance mean to you um and and what what do you find in these vignettes um inspiration praxis hope uh sense of solidarity what 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 do they mean to you personally
1: yeah, I mean basically a combination of all those things that you mentioned, i think certainly inspiration just in terms of the fact that um you know, especially if we're looking at kind of examples in the book, the fact that resistance happens absolutely everywhere, no matter how, um, no matter how strong a dictatorship is or how dark a situation is. So I think some of the most, you know, moving um, stories to me are ones about tales of, of even things like resistance within um, Nazi concentration camps mm-hmm. and extermination camps, um, even, you know it's 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 hard to think it's hard to imagine of, of of any place which is a more repressive um or or for a horrific environment um mm-hmm. than than that or one where the you know the the people are so powerless um and yet there are um so many examples of inspiring resistance even even within that um of um of you know insurrections escapes um, even people fighting literally tooth and nail um, with the SS, um, and um, you know uh, that the, the people's um, spirit um, just cannot be ultimately broken, no matter no matter how um, how insurmountable the odds against them.
0: Um,
1: and um, <clears throat> so, um, um, but yeah, sorry.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it, some of the, uh, the, the entries that come to mind are, um, one, one of them was a female resistor in the, uh, uh, in the French resistance against the Nazis. Who, um, and, um, and her story and, and m- many of these, many of these profiles or vignettes, or whatever they are, do, do have sad endings, but some show the, um, uh, survival against these incredible odds. And also the, I mean, the, uh, kind of overused term now, but the intersectionality of these various forms of resistance. Uh, do, you, do you have a favorite uh, vignette or entry? How, how, do, how do you refer to them as entries or?
1: Yeah, entry stories. Um, yeah. I think because yeah. a lot of them originally were written for social media, we think about yeah. them as posts,
0: posts, but in a book,
1: <laughs> you can't really talk about posts in a book. So yeah, yeah stories. Um, um, I mean, any, any favorites, they really depend on on the day I've kind of got a lot of um favorites depending on um the um the so um if I'll, I'll if give me a second I'll Please. I'll I'll find him. um um yeah, so in terms of favorites um it's it's hard to choose um I've got kind of different favorites for different um um for, 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 for different reasons um, some uh, I think uh, <laughs> I enjoy it because of um, them just being quite um, obviously some of, some of the entries are very um, sad um, uh, but um, so I think some of them it's nice to be quite um, whimsical um, and um, so <laughs> on, on that note I think one one entry I'm particularly fond of is um an entry about um, the little-known British invasion of, Ang- uh, of Anguilla um, the Caribbean island um, so um, the um yeah so <laughs> Anguilla was uh, a British colony which they had put uh, under the general authority um, of the government in St Kitts And the Premier of Saint Kitts hated Anguilla, Um, and so um, in 1967, Anguilla seceded from the Saint Kitts and Nevis and Anguilla administrative body that uh, British authorities had placed them in, um, and they disarmed the Saint Kitts police and then sent them home. Um, (laughs) The British government then sent in a diplomat called William Whitlock um, to try and resolve the situation, Um, but in, uh, I think, quite kind of classic British colonial style. Um, He was completely dismissive of the local population. Um, uh, And so they they then chased him off the island. Um, He then kind of, in his mind, had blown this up into something that it wasn't. And he claimed that the whole island was in the control of gangsters and mafia types and said that the people there were wearing a Black Power type uniform. Um, So the people he was referring to um, were wearing morning coats and white gloves. So that's, according to him, a Black Power type uniform. And then after that, then the British Labour government um, responded by sending um, a force of paratroopers and London Metropolitan Police um, to uh, to invade the island.
0: The London Um, Metropolitan Police.
1: Yeah, yeah. 200 paratroopers and 40 uh, London police. Um, to uh, take on this this army of uh, criminals and, and black radicals, which um, the diplomat said to um, said to you know they'd have to deal with, um, and um, the uh, local population on Anguilla um, decided to deploy um, anti-aircraft goats um, to on the, the landing strips to prevent the British from landing um and so um when the british finally managed to land um in between the goats expecting to to see this um they they just met these uh these goats um and um you know the incident was very farcical and um eventually resulted in britain having to agree uh, for anguilla to be independent of saint kitts um you know uh so just uh <laughs> <laughs> a, 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 you know, a bit of the light relief amidst the, but, you know, just of the ridiculousness in many ways of um, British, well, uh, British colonial rule.
0: Having written uh, a book on the role of sewer rats and resistance to the French colonial empire, I really appreciate uh, Caribbean goats and, and the heroic role they have played to people's struggles in the world. Um, anti anti anti-aircraft goats be be one of my favorite phrases from all these uh, <laughs> podcast interviews I've done. <laughs> yeah, um, so what one of the issues that I've been wrestling with wrestling with in my own scholarly work is balancing the century plus of rhetoric about the dangers of organized international communism, uh, said in a menacing voice, right? with the ser- serious discussion of organized international anti-communism. Uh, that is to say, to factor uh, factor in capital's campaigns uh, to strangle any socialist experiment in the crib. Uh, we see this from the American, British, and French, and Japanese attacks on the early Re- Russian Revolution to recent machinations to undermine the Bolivarian Revolution in Venezuela. Um, there's the comically unsuccessful campaign of decades, really my, my entire life, uh, of trying to overthrow uh, Fidel Castro's revolutionary state and um, the tragically un- tragically successful overthrow of Yende and also the destruction of the Indonesian Communist Party. Um, I mentioned that you have a podcast series on the Gwangju uprising in, in South Korea. So how does working class history educate the reader about this century-long war of capital versus the working class, um, really a global war? Yeah, well... the th-
1: The format we've chosen um, is very much picking on micro individual events on their anniversaries. So we kind of don't really pretend to tell a whole story about one thing or another. um, But our intention is just to highlight individual features of different things that have happened. Um, so, um, for example, um, today it's the 16th of September. One of the um, stories that we posted, which is included in the book, is about um, the murder by um, the murder of um, uh, uh, Chilean communist folk singer Victor Jara um, yeah. by um, the right-wing forces of um, General Augusto Pinochet. Um, and um, so, you, you know, that's just one kind of small. Story from 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 a much um, bigger um, set of set set of events, and, yeah,
0: which which I which I learned about via the Clash uh, song "Washington Bullets" as a teenager. Um, please remember Victor Hara and the cries of the Santiago Stadium, and actually in in one I used the lyrics of that song to teach the um, the anti labor global reaction. Um, and 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 I'm sorry to interrupt, but. You know that the um, the overthrow of Allende was called Operation Jakarta, um, and it, as Vincent Bevins has shown, um, there were there were direct links from the anti uh, Sukarno anti PKI um, coup that put uh, Suharto into power to to what they did to Allende and um, and put putting Venusha into power. But I interrupted. <laughs> I apologize. No, but, no. So no, yeah.
1: so 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 we just try and um, pick out individual little anecdotes from each of these much bigger um yeah. stories and, and and our hope will be that people's interest will be peaked and um they they'll then look into um these further and um you know in the in the book obviously we list um sources and further reading mm-hmm. where people can look into these um in, in in more detail which we hope that um people will do
0: yeah but what, what 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 i love about the uh what I've loved about the social media feed, and then seeing all of these entries put into into book form, is that you you see these points of capital's counter revolution and capital's reaction, um, uh, you know against uh, people's movements, big and small, all around the world over over the course of well over a century, and you start to see a pattern. And I think this is so, <laughs> this is such a, an important corrective. To the way that um, sort of the, the the standard teaching of 20th century history and, and political conflicts as these communist revolts that are you know really you know starting with what uh, the Paris Commune and then and then uh, with uh, the Russian Revolution and the way that that's set off a series of well dominoes domino theory right but here you see the 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 sort of capitalist dominoes the the the, the forces of reaction. Time and time again and 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 as, and as i said it's it's always trying to straggle these social experiments in the crib, you know, don't even let them get off the ground um,
1: yeah well, it's but, like the, the you know the classic kind of right wing argument It's like oh you know socialism doesn't work because uh, whenever people try it, we go in and we wicked we everyone <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, um, it's, you know it's, you, you can you can yeah <laughs> absolutely so, um, so that's a yeah, the good, meanings- good, good point. Yeah, (laughs) who are the main inspirations for your work? Um, And I've heard you speak uh, on another podcast about uh, Howard Zinn and the books introduced by Noam Chomsky and blurred by scholar activists uh, Rosanne Dunbar Ortiz. I'm sorry, Roxanne Dunbar Ortiz and and Ward Churchill, uh, and and a range of other um, activists that may be less familiar to scholars. Um, But who, who are your sort of intellectual fellow travelers, comrades, and allies?
1: Yeah, well, uh, in in terms of the 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 yeah the, the the book blurbs, we were keen to um get get um uh, well, and we we were very grateful that um uh, quite a few of the people who wrote blurbs for the book um are people who were participants in 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 social movements mm-hmm. um in the past rather than um uh, being authors or, or academics, um, people like um, um John O'Brien who um took part in the stonewall rebellion um in new york and then was, helped found the gay liberation front and um uh, mike jackson who um co-founded the group lesbians and gays for the miners in england and mm-hmm. um her boyd um uh, a former auto worker um who um uh, was a former member of the League of Revolutionary Black Workers in Detroit but who is also a published author um, of a book called Black Detroit a great mm-hmm. book um, but um, but I, and I I kind of mentioned that because I, I mean on, on this I can just speak for myself that um, I personally yeah I, I'm, I'm a big fan of the work of Howard Zinn um, uh, in, in terms of um, um, history but on a on a on a personal level, I'm I'm generally feel much more inspired by kind of past social movements um, uh-huh. than um, uh, than than particular um, authors or historians that I can can think of because mm-hmm. I kind of think a lot of the stuff that I um, you know if I'm reading about a, a social movement or other it'd be texts by a lot of different people you know from um, papers by students or to you know, essays to a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of really good information in just little uncredited um, bits from old radical newspapers and yeah. you know, sheets yeah. from, from decades ago, which, 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 um, um, uh, so I think, yeah, personally, I'm, I'm, I, uh, yeah, I, I, f- I feel like I, um, I'm more inspired by, um, various um liberatory movements um, mm-hmm. and, um, th- and and um, yeah just try and kind of take and think you know take 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 good bits of each of these movements and and learn from them and yeah and also reject bad you know because there's always uh, you know bad bits of our history and people that we admire that have done bad things on our personal level or have made huge mistakes on a political level um, you know, I mean, and that's kind of one of the reasons we don't call ourselves anyone ist, you know, like um, mm. a, a, a big famous person ist, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, because
0: Maoist or.
1: Yeah, or, or, or whatever, because, you know, there's, 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 um, uh, <laughs> for all, all of those individuals, there's some, you know, there's, there's useful stuff that they've come up with and done, but there's also, um, you know, bad stuff and it's, it's it's it shouldn't be honest to kind of defend you know in the name of worshiping an individual defend indefensible stuff mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. you know it's just be like well <laughs> that was <laughs> that was uh that you know that was bad that's good but you don't have to throw out the baby with you know you can you can you can take um all positive things from 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 people and, and reject um what's what's not useful
0: yeah. Yeah. So you've been really generous with your time. Um, but before I let you go, I've got two more questions. Um, first, can you suggest two books for the audience to read?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I guess I think, you know, might as well um, do a kind of um, think about, think about recent things. Um, and, um, they, uh, uh, <laughs> especially cause a lot of the stuff that I end up reading is, um, it, uh, in um, research for the working class history podcast um and so the most recent book um that i read is is fantastic it's called um let me just check i get the name right <laughs> yeah so um the the most recent book i read um is um a really um fantastic book um which um uh, just came out recently it's called um, all the frequent troubles of our days by rebecca Donner, um, who um, We um, um, interviewed for um, the Working Last History podcast um, a few Mm. days ago. Um, She is an author, but also the great-great niece of um, Mildred Fish Harnack, um, who was um, uh, a uh, activist in the um, German underground resistance to Mm. Hitler, who was born in um, in Milwaukee, Um, and like many women in historical movements generally, and and also particularly um, in the, the German resistance, um, was very much kind of forgotten or ignored or um, deliberately kind of written out um, of of a lot of uh, of history. And um, but she was a really important um, she played a pretty important role in the um, uh, resistance in the German resistance to to fascism. Um, and um, she and Ended up being um, uh, executed by guillotine um, on Hitler's personal orders um, in 1943. Um, but um, you know the uh, the author Rebecca Donner has uh, you know done some amazing research um, using her family archives and and um, a lot of other materials and has written a great. Book. And um, another one um, that I also read quite recently a little while. And another really fantastic um, book that I um, read um, uh, a, a little before, which I'd definitely recommend is uh, called um, Green Bands, Red Union, The Saving of a City. And that's by Meredith and Verity Bergman. Um, and um, uh, again, that was in, uh, um, we, we spoke with Meredith for a podcast episodes about green bands in Australia. And these were um, essentially Bans on work by construction workers, um, which uh, that who refused to do uh, work which they felt was um, environmentally or socially destructive, um, and um, this uh, this 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 book tells it's you know really fantastic um, history um, about um, these uh, that that really dismantle so many myths um, that people have about the working class and, 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 and what the labor movement is all about. Um, and uh, because it really shows what what the workers' movement could be, you know, not something um, which is just about getting better wages um, and, you know, screw everything else, destroy the environment, build more pipelines, um, which, which so many kind of business unions um, today um the, the approach that they advocate um, these are these were the were were workers who you know essentially chose decided that they should um have some say over what their work did um and that meant um you know in some cases obviously losing the potential earnings um but um, they uh, helped um Maintain a lot of really important things in, uh, you know, there's uh, in in these parts of Australia, um, where and also, you know, helped um, force new areas to be constructed. So they did things like they put bans on um, construction where which would destroy um, natural parkland. Um, they put bans on construction which um, would um, destroy working class housing, um, mm-hmm. which would um, destroy housing for Aboriginal um, peoples um they um in, in they um got um uh they refused to do work if women weren't allowed to work in the industry so they forcibly um integrated the industry um and brought women workers into the industry for the first time and they even um did things like um it, at a university they um refused work construction work on a university in solidarity with a gay student who was um uh, being disciplined by the university um, and so this you know this is a, it, it's a really fantastic book about um, so many of those kind of interlapping uh, overlapping and intersecting kind of um, I- issues um, and um, and also it kind of shows all the forces that then turned against these workers um, because they represented such a threat um, not only to um developers and capitalists and the government in australia but also to the established union movement um mm-hmm. and much of the much of yeah. the left and much of the so-called communists um as well um so um yeah that's uh yeah i think uh, yeah but those that's, are a couple kind yeah. of off the top of my head yeah recently <laughs> um
0: finally what, what uh what's working class history working on now and um what can we hope to see from you all next
1: um well um today actually we've just released um our a, a, a latest um print publication which is um a which is a uh more of a, a tool for people to um record our own history going forwards it's uh, it's a blank journal um for people to record their own um thoughts and and plans and um and ideas um but also it's replete with um quotations um, which we think are inspiring and educational and what have you, including sources and, and, and context for those. Um, uh, and obviously, as always, we're, we're working on more podcast episodes. Um, like I mentioned, we're making an episode about Mildred Fish harnack um, in the uh, German resistance. Um, and um, we are, uh, a, a big piece of what we're working on is building this um, web app um so that our stories will be browsable through um our own website um rather than just through the social media platforms owned by big corporations which we think is really important and that will have um um mapping features so people will be able to kind of interact with um uh, history in their own local area and places where they where, where they travel to as as well so we're we're excited about that too
0: yeah that sounds that sounds great and and of course everybody can follow working class history on all the big uh, social media platforms facebook twitter instagram and and so forth and hit and uh, hit those like buttons to help you <laughs> win the war against the algorithm right
1: <laughs> yeah no no yeah,
0: exactly <laughs> it's 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 kind of embarrassing to say but it it does matter and it helps to boost the profile of this this really good work so, um, John, thank you so much for um, for talking with me today.
1: No, thanks very much for, for, for thanks very much for having for having me, and um, yeah, cheers. Nice to meet you.